you're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. I got a word today. Y'all ready? Tell somebody he's got a word. It may be crazy. It may be a little bit out there, but I got something. I think I got something. It's a word. It's more than a word, actually. It's more, actually, it's a word. It's more than a title. It's more than a word. It has changed my life, continued to change it just when I think I got it figured out. I don't. It has changed our church. It'll launch your life. It's launched our church. Tell the person next to you, say, shift. Shift. It's not a flashy word. It's not an edgy word. It's just a word, and it's a word that is more than a word if you'll let it be in your life. Shift. Tell somebody one more time, say, shift. Say shift. This has been a word in our leadership. This has been a really, if I had to give you a word of 2021 for the leadership of Catalyst, it is shift. They, we've not, we challenged each other. Honestly, I've had to challenge myself more than anybody because I was the most guilty of it this year. And the staff and leadership and anybody that has influence will tell me, you got to shift, Ben. And I will respond to them every time. I'm shifting. Tell the person next to you, say, I'm shifting. Online, if you're with me live right now, drop a comment and say, I'm shifting. You have got to shift. I promise you, in every level, in every season of your life, if you don't shift, you will get stuck and you will stay stuck constantly if you don't learn to shift consistently. And we're going to see it today. Tell somebody next to you, say shift. Shift, shift. I'm not just, I'm going to go ahead and give you some disclaimers. I'm not just talking about letting things go today. I'm talking about there's some weight in your life that you don't need to let go. You need to reshift. You need to redistribute it. You need to learn to carry some things better. And if you don't learn to carry it better, it is going to crush you. If, and I'm not talking about bad stuff. I'm talking about blessing today. Because a lot of us get stressed out and we don't see the blessing God has given us to manage in our life. And if you don't learn to carry it, manage it, it'll manage you. And every next level, every next season, God is calling us in some way to shift. Tell somebody I'm shifting. I'm shifting. And if you don't learn to shift in your life, you are going to continue to get stuck. And all the time, most of the time in counseling appointments, most of the time when people are going through a season and I hear them, all I hear is you need to shift. And this is how you need to shift. And if you don't have the boldness and the obedience to God to begin to shift and take him at his word, you are going to stay stuck, be miserable. You can have all the money and success in the world. If you don't shift, it won't matter. You'll just be a bad manager of what God has given you. Shift. Shift. Hmm. I got an illustration for you. Is that okay? So this week, I, I thought this was perfect. It's like midweek. I had to throw everybody off. Uh, I got my wisdom teeth taken out Monday. Still hurting like crazy because my butt waited till I was in almost late 30s to get this daggum with. And I, they had to drill in my jawbone. I'm hurting, living off prescription ibuprofen. It's a bunch of bull, but it's all right because I waited. That's my fault. It's on me. This is the picture of me going in on Monday. Can we throw that picture up? Oh, I thought I had it. I thought, man, I'm going to be up and going. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be eating Whoppers by Wednesday. Mm. All right. So before we throw this video. No, no, pause it, pause it, pause it, pause it, pause it. I'll call for it. My baby girl, my daughter can get me. She's got, if anybody wants to incriminate me and ruin everything about me, just ask her. Let's roll with it. Baby girl took me to the surgery. Well, that's good. That's good right there. Oh, I thought I had it. I thought I had it. Here's the thing. That may look crazy, and honestly, it still feels a little crazy. I like, I've been forcing food down. I'm like, I can't, I'm gaining weight eating ice cream and applesauce. I need solid food, or I'm going to go fat boy. Like, I can't. Anyway, this is more like your life in a lot of areas, for some of you, every area, than you care to admit. You go into a season, you think you got it, and your life has been mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and some of you physically this exhausting right here. I got it. I got it. On a good day, you're smiling. On a bad day, you're exhausted. And every day, really, you don't realize you're not as strong as you could be. You've been sleeping on what God's put inside of you. 
This right here, the shifting is the reason that so much more than your so many more areas than you care to admit, you live just like this. Your default is oblivious, exhausted, empty, don't know which ends up. You got you're confused, you got no peace, you're worried about what the car ahead of you because you can't even think about what came yesterday and what's coming tomorrow. You were exhausted. And in the words of the apostle Paul, he said, Wake up from your slumber. And I'm telling you, you have to shift. Shifting is the missing ingredient from your, for, from your testimony. It is the missing, missing ingredient from your comeback. It is shifting is the problem. It is the problem. Is it this, what we're about to talk about, is the reason that you don't see much momentum in your life and you don't sustain any. Shifting. Now, tell somebody I'm shifting. Tell somebody I'm shifting. Matter of fact, we, uh, it looks shifting looks different situation to situation, season to season, person to person. So I'm about to just, we're about to jump into this thing and we are about to grow in God's word. We're about to grow because when you apply it, it works. But it's tough to apply. Will you lift your hands right now? Online, lift them if you're on the couch, if you're at the beach. You ain't in the ocean if you hit the beach. It's too cold to be there. Lord, right now, say it with me, Callis. I just, Lord, speak. Lord, speak. Lord, help us make choices that are consistent with who you've called us to be and what, we've ca- what you've called us to build. Whatever season we're in, give us wisdom so that we can shift. And Lord, we want to obey you and we want to see what it's like. To, what we, want to, we want to move, Lord. We want to move. Help us understand what that looks like. Because we do not have to stay stuck. We do not want to stay stuck in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm about to just jump into this thing. You got a bulletin online. You can hit the link in the, uh, you can download the church app. The link's in the uh, post and you can, we can take notes. You can write it down. I got a ton today. That's why I had the table, but we're about to grow. Y'all ready? I'm going to start with the first step. Everything else builds off the first step because the first step is honestly where we miss it. We miss it. Y'all ready? Here we go. Clarify what matters. Clarify what matters. King Solomon, who was, by the way, one of the most successful men to walk the face of the earth, said this in Proverbs. He said, do your planning and prepare your fields before, tell somebody before, before building your house. We're going to see today in the Old Testament that house represents family, life, the things that God has given you responsibility and stewardship over. We're going to see it. But Solomon says you got to know who you are, what you're called to build, the person you're called to be before you go building a house. You don't go build your dream home until you know what it looks like. That's why people don't build dream homes at 20. That's why people honestly get married too young. They make financial decisions and they get degrees too young. They don't have a clue what they want and who they're called to be. And Solomon says, with your life, you've got to clarify what matters. King Solomon says, before you go build a house, before you make decisions that are very important, before you take risks that are big life risks, you better know what you want and who you're called to be. And then Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, I love this, y'all, because Jesus is able to say things that just hit on so many different angles. That's who he was. He says, what do you want me, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. He's asking a blind man, my rabbi. The blind man said, I want to see. Hmm. He was blind physically, y'all. We all have blind spots in our life. Clarity is something that isn't just a physical thing. It's an emotional, mental, spiritual. Sometimes you got bias. We all got bias. We just don't like to admit them. That's why all the arguments in the world right now, everybody's playing victim is because we don't want to admit our blind spots. We want to talk about everybody else's. Clarity, the, the, every one of us, Jesus tells this blind man, what do you want from me? And he says, I want to see. And we think that he's, this blind man was just wanted to see because he was blind. Every one of us, we need to seek the Lord so that we can see because when there's no clarity there is confusion the bible says my people perish for lack of what vision vision it says knowledge too vision clarity jesus says what do you want the blind man says i want to see every one of us we have no clarity in our life when there is no clarity there is no there is only confusion when there is no clarity there is no peace jesus says what do you want from me 
What do you want from me? We live in a culture right now and church culture is just as bad. We tell kids, you're 18, you need to know what you want to do, you need to get a degree in it, you need to get, then you need to get married, you need to make money, and we rush our young people and we were rushed and our parents were rushed and our grandparents were rushed. We rush them to make decisions that cannot be rushed. And most people aren't like me. I knew what I wanted to do when I was seven. But you got no clarity. So what we've grown is we have a culture, generations of people that they got a degree that they weren't passionate about. They're not interested in. They wasted a bunch of money. They got, hey, you got married. You got a family. You're going through the motions. You may be doing good, but you're really going through the motions when you look at it. You got no clarity because you made decisions before it was time to build a house. That's what we do. So this is what you need to do. If we have no clarity, we can't do anything with Jesus. If you have no clarity, you are going to live based on your feelings. The Bible says the just will walk by faith, not feelings, not, not fear, faith. You have to have clarity to be able to have faith. And so what happens, or what needs to happen is all my married people, if you truly know that you don't have much clarity in your life and you can look at your life and the confusion and insecurities you live in and the dissatisfaction, and if you do, you need to sit down with your spouse and have a serious conversation. If you're dating young people, don't get married until you sit down and have that conversation. And if you're single, you better right now sit down in this season and seek the Lord and tell everybody else to leave you alone and quit trying to play matchmaker. It's not schizophrenic. It is biblical. You need to seek the Lord because what we do is we have no clarity and we move by God. We make moves, all the moves, wrong moves, all the moves. You need to in this season begin to seek the Lord. The Bible says if we ask for wisdom and we expect it, it says he gives it to us liberally but when you don't sit down and you make moves out of insecurity pride anger the culture tells you to do this get a degree in this do this have this much money in the bank account what you do is you make a bunch of decisions and there's no clarity my people perish for lack of what vision and our culture makes this worse and our church culture makes this worse if I could tell you how many people tried to get me married the first 10 years I was doing ministry because they thought that was biblical Solomon says before you build a house you got to know who you are so what we do if we we have built our lives and it is not consistent with who we're called to be and what we're called to build and in this season I'm encouraging seek the Lord Stop making big decisions right now. Don't get another credit card, grown people. Cut your Christmas budget in half, grown people. Your kids need to learn now because what they're going to do is repeat it and they're going to get in debt, giving them a bunch of material stuff. You got no clarity. That's why you work 17 jobs and you shouldn't. You don't have to. You choose to stay stuck because you won't shift. I'm going to pick on myself later, I promise. You got to clarify what matters. Solomon says, quit building things until you know what you're called to build and who you're called to be. And until you know maturity, Angie asked me a few months ago, she said, what is maturity? I said, maturity is uh, when you make what matters, matter. That is growth. That is maturity. You got to clarify what matters. And until we do that, what we've grown is we become as a people what Jesus called the blind leading the blind. And you don't have to stay there. Tell somebody I'm shifting. I'm shifting. I'm shifting. I'm telling y'all, I know this is a tough one, but I want us to experience Jesus in this, in this season, in this holiday season. Not, not be hopeful for next Christmas or retirement or when I get married. I want us to experience him now. So if you want a little bit more of an encouraging one, you can come back next week. Y'all ready? Every one of them builds off this. Here we go. We're bouncing. Once you clarify what matters, make every decision around that. Proverbs says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will what? Succeed. We love to quote that psalm, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. If you read that in the Hebrew, it actually translates better. Uh, it interprets when you delight yourself in the Lord, your desires become his desires. Not you get what you want just because you committed to Jesus. When you're committed to Jesus, you trust him. 
commit your choices. It's crazy. What happens is we want this life. We, this is what we're believing God for, but our lives are... And can we turn that heat down? I don't know if y'all are hot, but I'm awfully hot right now. Thank you, Jason. You're amazing, by the way. That's the most glorious beard. He's amazing. Man, don't ever get to sit down. He's amazing. Y'all appreciate Jason? What happens is we are believing God for one thing and practicing. I told you it's inconsistent. My brother sent me a podcast this week. My, by the way, Brock, I'm thankful. I'm talking to you too. You better share this. You may not get up to one, but you better share it. He talks, texts me more now that he doesn't live at home. He texted me this week a podcast and I got to listen to it. And the psychologist said, said this. He said that the mundane in life is the most important. We don't like making small decisions because we, de- we don't like the mundane, the small decisions in your life that are inconsistent with what matters. That's the biggest. It's the mundane. It's the mundane. It's the decisions like you know that you need to lose weight to be able to enjoy the life that you endeavor to build. Well, it's pretty simple. Calories in, calories out. The Big Mac has to be the exception to the rule. I'm telling you, I'm a chubby guy. Y'all should have seen me 10 years ago. That Big Mac isn't my rule. McRib is my problem. Comes along in October, and I think it lasts to the end of the year. You know how many McRibs I've had this year? Zero. Because it is the one thing that I can eat like a 17-year-old. I can get two of them, a large fry. I can go to town. But you know why I hadn't got one yet? Because they're like crack. I get one. I'll have 17 of them, and I'll spend my Thanksgiving and Christmas losing weight from McRibs instead of that fresh cooking my wife's going to be cooking on Thanksgiving and everybody that brings it. I would rather lose the weight from dressing than a McRib. I haven't eaten one because I'm going to wait closer to time where I can't get them anymore because crack is year-round. McRib is two or three months. Paul said, whether I eat or drink, I do it for the glory of God. He said, whether I eat or drink, I do it for the glory of God. I am a guy, I like food, I know it. Those decisions now I make, I did not eat a meal until we were done with the Auburn game because I know that I have to work my calories around my addiction to food. It's the mundane things in life. It's the things that you overlook because you think, well, that's just a small deal compared to where I'm at. It's a small deal. No, it's not. Your mental health matters. Your mental health matter. I am so thankful that we have athletes standing up right now and they're leaving sports because their life, their health after their career matters, matters more than winning championships. I know I got some athletes in here right now or some people that are older and their coaches are like, well, they're just soft. No, that kids need to see that because they need to see less 29-year-old Tom Brady's who worship throwing touchdowns. Y'all, Connor loves him. He loves Tom Brady. I love Tom Brady now because he grew up. When he was 30, he, he worshiped throwing touchdowns. And I'm telling you, there's going to come a time that I hope Tom Brady can find contentment not throwing touchdowns because it ain't going to last forever. I am thankful because what happens is, is that we don't realize the decisions we make. Don't you dare... If it's a toxic living situation, working situation, don't you stay in bad places too long because when you do, eventually you are, it's going to be hard to recover. It'll change you. Paying bills is not as important. Listen to me. You see me now. I was broke. I'm in six figures of student loan debt because I had nothing and had to handle business 10 years ago. Bills ain't as important as your peace and what you go home to. Don't let them. Toxic is toxic. You make every decision. I promise you, you're like, well, I just don't even know what he's talking about. We'll be on the streets. If it's worth it, if it's the right move, there is a way if you want it bad enough. But sitting at home, fretting about it, and staying in relationships and family situations and living situations too long is going to rob your entire life. Commit your work to the Lord, your choices, your decisions, every single decision. And Solomon says, and your plans will succeed. There's a way. There's always options for the right decision. You're only as stuck as you choose to be. You're not as stuck as you think you are. And I'm speaking to every, every thing, situation you could be going through. 
I'm not saying walk out tomorrow. I'm saying if you stay too long, it changes you. And there's some decisions you need to make. Do you know why I can run circles around my 25-year-old self right now? I can. I'm more efficient than the pastor I was last year by a long shot. You're going to find out because I had to learn some things the hard way. It's not youthfulness. My back, I got injections several times the last, every week, the last three weeks. I've had, I'm, I'm going to have to have another, another epidural in my neck. I hurt worse. It's not youthfulness. I'm a lot, my back hurts a lot worse than 10 years ago. It's right here. I know what matters. I get up every morning. I don't care. I'm going to say no when I can't do it. I'm going to tell everybody I've worked my tail off. I'm going home now because I can't give you what you're asking me to take. And I have learned that I can only give, I'm one man. One person and my family knows that They know I'm going to give it my all But I'm not going to give what I don't have to give That's why I know what I can give and what I can take And I don't do I don't overdo it near as much as I used to be able to It's those decisions Get out of bed Get up and live But know your limitations Make every decision It's those small things Staying up an hour. Do you know for the first time in my life, I sleep later on Sundays. Oh, I used to get up three or four in the morning, pray, get here a Sunday like this where everything's been stressful and I'm tired. I'd go home, have nothing left. But sleeping till five or six now helps me. Make every decision around the person you're called to be and what matters. And your plans will succeed because it's when it's not the right decision, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Tell somebody I'm shifting. I know I got some quiet people in here. I'm shifting. I know I'm being hard, but I want you to get this. Y'all hear me? Y'all hear my heart on this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Budget your money around it. <laughs> when you realize what matters in your life, budget your money around it. <laughs> Psalm 119. I looked up all the generosity verses in the Bible this week or a couple weeks ago just to refresh myself. And I just like this one. Psalm 119. Turn my heart to your laws. Not to greedy gain. Turn my eyes away from looking at the worthless, at worthless things. Things that will leave you unsatisfied. Things that will not complete you. Make me live by your way. A few months back, I apologized to you guys for being scared and negligent to talk about money as much the first four years of this church. And I said, I will do so no longer, so I'm not going to apologize for holding back right now. Do you know why cutthroat corporate billionaires are able to make a ton of money and you wonder why you can't? Or whatever, you're, you wonder why you fall short? And like you have the, I hear people talking like Asaph in Psalm 73. Why do you bless all the people that are bad? You know why? Because people who are consistent in their choices with what they're called to or what they're wanting to live, when, you're, when what you do and what you want are consistent, you can do a lot. Donald Trump has, you can hate him or love him, he's never uh, misled how he made his money. Money is his thing. Whether you like him or not, the choices he made, the business model he lives by is consistent with what he says. People that we... we they're, they're, the people that aren't being dishonest about that they're storing up treasures here and not in heaven. Jesus said store up treasures in heaven, not here. People that are making a killing and you wonder why, it's because their life, they're very honest with where they are and what they're doing. Tom Brady, I love him, man. I love him now more than ever. The man knows how to quarterback and he's within himself. Tom Brady will tell you. He made YouTube videos when he was younger where he said, my religion is winning. You know what he does? He wins. Do you know why? Because what he wants and how he lives is consistent. Yes, when he gets older one day, he's got to find something else to win if that's his identity. But what happens is we want to build a life and then we budget around a completely contrary life to what we at least say we want to live. Hmm. We do. I got single moms in this place. I'm just going to tell you straight up. Like, can I not hold back today? Because if you live a life consistent with your convictions... You'll blow your own mind and God will blow your mind. I got single moms in this place that give every week. It kind of embarrassed me in a sweet way that a couple of them recently that weren't able to give and actually their, their, their online, got like their bank account got empty and it wouldn't take and they came and apologized to me. Felt bad. 
They're like three in this church. And, they, and, I, and I'm just mind blown. And they're like, we're going to catch. And they caught up. Because that is who they are. That is the God they serve. And instead of apologizing to whatever got them behind, they came to me. And I felt bad about it. But then I was like, no, that's the people that God's really going to bless and honor. And then we got people that make solid incomes in, the, in, this, in every church, not just this church, make solid incomes. But you throw money in, in an offering plate just like you do the Salvation Army guy ringing the bell at Christmas time. Like God is in church is something that serves you. And I'm not picking on you, every church. It's we live in a greedy, greedy country. I hear people telling me they're broke and they tell me how much money they make. And I'm like, my gosh, you are the top five richest person in this world. You just live in America and don't know it. And, and what we do is we say we serve Jesus. But poverty, greed, and generosity is a lifestyle. It's a choice that we either make or don't make. And here's the thing I've seen that most, and when I say most, I mean most all of us, what we have in our country, church, world, all of it, it isn't a money problem. It's in this country, it's a management problem. It's a stewardship problem. Because we say we love Jesus. We claim to love Jesus. We come to church and we invest in people. But when it comes to our money, uh uh-uh. It's not consistent. And when we say we've got to begin to budget, people tell me, well, I just don't have anything. And you never will until you start somewhere. And I want you to know this, okay? I want you to hear me because I know, listen to me, we've got to shift some things in your life. If you don't budget around your faith now, your faith is going to consistently be bankrupt. You may have a ton of money in the bank account. For some of you, your bank account will be empty if you don't. But for all of us, your soul and spirit will be bankrupt. And you can have all the money, success in the world. But what do you have to show for it when you've got no peace? Jesus said, what does it gain a man to profit the whole world and lose himself? But what we do is we don't realize that we don't budget our money around what matters. We've got people that are double income in this world, in this country, in this church probably, that make six figures and got nothing to show for it. You were just as poverty stricken as the people that make the most out of 40 G's a year, 20 G's a year. And it's about your choices. It is about shifting. Because if you don't shift, you're going to be more stressed because you're making decisions that set you up to be stuck. And I'm not saying this for catalysts. I'm not saying this for me. I'm not saying this for you. I'm saying it for the glory of God. Because I'm a person, man, I was broke. I I was broke and I gave my tithe check to a church and to ministries and people that took advantage of me because that's just where my, my priorities was that. And so when people say, well, you know, look what God has done in your life, I can honestly tell you I am far from perfect. And if you hang around me long enough, you'll know it. But I trust God with my money because in the way I see it, that's not my perspective. It's not mine, it's his. It's not mine. Even the things he chooses to bless me with, I don't see them as mine. This church, over the last several months, we look at our attendance just growing again. It's a beautiful thing. Our offerings have dipped. Like I've never seen a time where our churches hit growth and our offerings dip. You know what I told the staff? I said, we're not in this position and not going to be. But I said, if this church was at a place where we were just going to spend all our money and shut down next year, we're going to shut down spending generously on other people. And I don't just choose that as the leader of this church. I choose that in my life every single day. And I chose it when I had nothing. I chose it when I was taking care of my brother. When I was working at Walmart and in a church that didn't pay me anything. Because honestly, they took advantage of me. I'm not angry about it. They did a lot of good things for me. But they couldn't pay me. They didn't pay me. And I overworked. I did it then. And God knows I'll do it now. But here's the thing. If you don't get to that place in your life where even if you're on food stamps, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know how you're doing it you're struggling but you don't start trusting God with your finances you are not going to be able to build a life that matters because you don't obey him with your money which is why Jesus talked about money more than eternity because he knew money is the hardest thing to trust him with I'm not doing this for catalyst give it somewhere else if you think I am I don't care I care about you and I care about his glory and you've got to begin to budget your money and here's how we did it in my life 
I've learned this is what it is. I got to lead by example. Angie and I, 2016, we're building catalysts. I want to get practical for you. We're building catalysts. Um, we're at the old location doing construction work. We hadn't opened. We opened catalysts in 2017. We're building it. I lost almost all my income, not just most of it, almost all of it. Walmart cut my hours, cut my pay, or cut my hours. I lost all my church income at the last. I literally, that's why Angie had to work at UWG for several years. We cut our budget for Christmas, Period. Kids to that point, I felt bad. At a, I felt bad in that season that the kids were used to a bigger Christmas than I could ever give them, and I felt bad. It was my second Christmas with my family. We did. It was fine. We lived. We loved. We ate. We had each other. 2021. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. I don't know any of the kids that don't know. We're spending less money in 2021 on Christmas than we've ever spent. Fifty dollars a kid. Garrett, that's you included. We love you. We feed you. It's okay. Period. Charlotte may not be included in that $50. Grandkids, just mm -mm, no. But here's the thing. That's who we are. Angie and I, you know why that is? Generosity is what matters to us. Angie lost, or excuse me, Angie left her job to be able to serve here. She doesn't get paid here. But she loves this place. She's a help. This year, we got a huge cut in budget. We still want to give the same type of income to here. And to, and to generosity matters. We had to make room for God. If that Make room for what matters. We're going to invest in time and moments by a table because time and moments matter to us. Angie and I stopped giving each other Christmas gifts several years back. Gifts on our love language. Our story isn't yours. Our story's our story. We want to start a conversation in your heart for your finances and family too. So here's our story. We stopped. Connor asked me up. This year or last year, I can't remember, Connor, he said, what did you get? You know, those little five, first five years, you get a different gift for your spouse on your anniversary. That, start, that uh, He says, what did you get, Mom? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. We don't give anniversary gifts. My birthday is December 2nd. I'll be 36. I've already sent all my, all my family. I said, I don't want anything. Donate to the church. I'm thankful we get to do ministry together. I'm thankful we get to do ministry together. Don't give me a gift. Call me. Let's go out to lunch. Let's sit down at the table and enjoy each other. Gifts on our love language. Generosity is what matters to us. I love being able to take people out to eat. I love being able to give when I see a need. I love being able to give way more than 10% to this church. That's who I am. That's who Angie and I are. That's the life God has called us to build. You know what we have to do to build it? Budget for it. In every season. Budget for it. Our leadership as we've rebuilt, our, as we've reestablished our culture at this church, my, all of our leadership and staff will tell you, all of them, it is, you sign a paper to lead here or want to lead here, you're going to give at least 10%. We are all underpaid. Uh, people, a lot of our staff are unpaid. They're going to be generous because if you can't be faithful in the small things, you'll never get the greater. Jesus said that. Go look it up. And I want you to know, begin to make what matters, what make, begin to see what matters in your life and budget your money around it. I'll leave the rest of you. I just share our story. Tell somebody I'm shifting. I'm shifting. I'm done with that. Y'all still love me? Y'all still love me? Y'all still love me, guys? I know it's weather season change. Y'all still love me? Good. I hope so. Build your relationships around it. 1 Corinthians 15, I got to get moving. I know I've done spent too much time. 1 Corinthians 15, build your relationships around it. People don't like verses like this that are in the New Testament. Do not be fooled, Paul says. Bad friends will ruin good habits. Come back to your right way of thinking. And he said, stop sinning. Sin is when you miss the mark. Sin is when you don't make what matters matter. Your relationship. When you know what matters in your life and you have clarity and you know, hey, I'm committed to Jesus. This is the person I'm called to be. That guides your decision on yes, no, we need to break up. We can work it out one more time. This friendship's either going to shift or it's going to end. It all's that. It's all based on what God's called you to build and who he's called you to be. Seasons change. People change. 
People grow different directions, go different directions, do different things, make good decisions, bad decisions. Don't you dare stay in a bad relationship, friendship, relationship, co-workership. Don't stay in one too long. Don't be changed by one and don't be bitter because of one. Because if you don't build your relationships around what God has called you to build and there's some season in your life, you've got to shift. Not make apologies, you've got to shift. Same with your money, same with your relationships, you have to shift. And the problem is that we are stuck in a season of 18 months with COVID because we haven't shifted. Man, y'all don't like what I'm talking about today. Tell somebody I'm shifting. I'm shifting. I'm shifting. We have got to shift. Build it. You want me to give you more Bible for it? Jesus invested most of his time in his table. Not the multitudes, the few. It was the disciples who started the movement that 2,000 years later, we're still, we're still talking about it. We're still worshiping God. He traveled from town to town. He invested in a few. The reason Jesus carried the movement on was not just, was not the multitudes, it was the few. Jesus didn't entrust himself to people that trusted him at times. Go look up John chapter 2. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. We like to preach things in the Old Testament like Joseph. You remember when Potiphar's wife tried to come on to him? A married woman tried to come on to Joseph and the Bible says he was real godly and it says he got himself out, left his cloak, ran. We like to just preach that when it comes to sexual sin and temptation. But when you look at the Bible, anything that it's time to get out because it's going to drain you, destroy you, mess you up, make you bitter. The principle is to get yourself out. You need to have relationships with the the people at your table. You can love everybody. The people at your table need to be people that invest in you. They don't drain you. They fill you. They don't give your life tension and stress. They fill you. And if the people around your table are not people that fill you and they drain you, show me somebody's friends. I'll show you your future. You don't need to be bitter. Listen to me. Build your relationships around what matters in your life. And if you do not build that table with wisdom, you will be stuck and live your life stressed out. And in a world right now, that's what a lot of us do. That's what a lot of us do. Tell somebody I'm shifting. I know I got to keep moving. I'm shifting. Here's one. Raise your kids around it. When I say this, when I say this, listen to me. I am as messed up. Angie and I are very messed up. The difference in people that love Jesus aren't being messed up or not. They're just being honest. <laughs> just being honest. Joshua 24. I want you to hear this now because he was talking about his life and his family. Joshua 24. He says, and it seems, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods, he's talking to Israel before they went in the promised land. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, he said, we will serve the Lord. When you begin to realize what matters, whether it's late, you're late to the party, early to the party or in the middle, you need to begin to raise your kids around him. Garrett, our 13-year-old, is here every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. period. 13-year-olds would want to spend a night out most. It's a normal to him. Right. We, tr- we just started trying to give him off from sound. That's why Connor was on sound. You didn't see him up here. And he gets a half a Sunday at youth if we can't get him off so he can go to youth. And Connor or somebody will take over. That's a normal for us. Will, our entire house right now, Will and baby girl, they're here by 8.30. They're serving. They're serving. Um, uh, uh, Connor, long before he came on staff here, he was here early serving. Long before he got paid to do this, he poured his life into this place. Matter of fact, I won't ever hire anybody that's not willing to do that. Um, Allie. She served all the way up until Charlotte, and she'll get back in here again because when she transitions, it's a crazy season. That's who we are as a family. Jacob, who I don't know if he's watching from Augusta, our second son, who, who graduated from Tech, when the first several years when he was in town, he was serving on sound almost every week. My brother Brock, who is probably sleeping right now. Y'all know we're a little closer in big brothers. He, or that he's, we're a little closer in brothers. He comes from Atlanta, even though he's living in Atlanta once a month to run Mixer. People think that's just crazy. That's just the family we built. 
That's who we are. We are far removed from the whole I'm going to sleep in type thing. Church, church isn't something we do. It's who we are. And that was long before we started the church. That was long before I ever got on staff at my first church. I was serving. That's, I believe in the church. I believe that Jesus has called us to be what he wants to do about it. So Garrett, every now and then, oh, I'm a little tired every now and then. No, we'll give you a break. I'll see you at 8.30 in the morning. That's just the convictions. We have lived. We are not perfect. And I'm going to tell you, our older three kids who are now starting to build a life on their own, they are not building identical lives, lives to me and to, to their mom or pops or even mom and Russ. Um, Russ and Angie took church real seriously too. They are not identical, but they have the same foundation. Because that is who we are and we do not apologize for it and we hold those standards to them. When they were in our home and they have carried them on. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful and we are not perfect. We are not perfect. We are not perfect. And all my, I'm telling you, we are not, they have not gotten the best mom and pops this year. This has been probably the hardest year of my ministry, maybe in my life. I have been far from a good dad. I apologize to Will a lot. I'm like, you have got the worst pops you will ever get, I promise. But I'll tell you what they know. They know we're not lazy. They know our flaw is we need to sit down sometimes. And all my older parents that you're like, what does this look like for me? My kids are grown. They got kids. I got grown grandkids. Listen to me. It is never too late to do what Joshua did and say, I am choosing this day whom I serve. Late stories are the most inspirational stories because people need to, your kids, your grandkids need to see you say now. You want a generational curse to break in your family, which is really just a choice, a pattern that your kids and your, and your parents, all they saw was this and it was carried on. You want to break the break the you want to break the curse right now choose addictions leaving this family and it's starting with me bitterness is leaving eating disorders anxiety disorders uh bitterness vanity all those things all those things that don't matter the blind man said jesus i want to see all it takes is one person for the curse to be broken i don't care if you're 97 years old or nine choose this day will you say it with me right now ask for me in my house say it ask for me in my house we will serve the lord your grandkids your great-grandkids your kids your future your kids, single people, all it starts with you. What matters needs to matter in your life. Raise your kids around it. I am absolutely imperfect, but I'm not afraid to apologize. Shift. Tell somebody I'm shifting. I'm shifting. I'm shifting. Raise your kids around it. And here we go. I got some practical things. Stop running crazy today for success tomorrow. King Solomon wrote this psalm, not King David, his, his son. His analogy, he says, if the Lord doesn't build this house, there's that word again, house. He's not talking about a job. Or excuse me, he's not talking about a house. He's talking about family, job, the things you lead. He was the king of Israel. If the Lord doesn't build this house, the builders are working for what? Nothing. If the Lord doesn't guard the city, the guards are watching for nothing. What he's saying is if the God's not blessing what you're building, it's because he's not in it. And you need to shift because he is not going to bless it. You are going to keep beating your head against a wall. He says, it is no use for you to get up early. This is the trillionaire, y'all. Like 25 that have ever existed. This is Solomon who worked. And I'm going to show you how, how hypocritical what he's saying is because he's grieving. It is no use for you to get up early and stay up late working for a living. He's talking about overworking. The Lord gives sleep to those he loves. Proverbs says the righteous lie down and their sleep is sweet. Jesus talks about come to me all of you who are burdened and heavy laden. I will give you what? Rest. We live in a world that rest is success. Getting to a place of success. No, Solomon is saying that you were wrong. And then he says this. He says, children are a gift from the Lord. Babies are a reward. Children are born. Children who are born to a young man are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Happy is the man who has his back full of arrows. They will not be defeated when they fight the enemies at the city gate. He's not saying they won't be defeated because he's going to make a million kids. 
He's saying they're not going to be defeated because he has fought. He has invested in his family and they fight together. Don't drive yourself so crazy working and trying to get, be successful that you don't invest in the biggest blessings God has given you because you were going to grieve one day when you look back and you miss what mattered because you were chasing things and living in confusion that don't matter. You want to hear something really crazy? King Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Concubines in the Old Testament were side chicks that they were allowed to sleep with. It was a hall pass. Don't know why and honestly don't care because look at their lives. Solomon lost himself at the end of his life when he stopped practicing women. David, his problem was women. Samson, Joker had to kill himself to save Israel because of a woman. It doesn't matter why. The point is look at their story and you'll see why it's a mess to do that. I can only put up and only want to put up with one. One is all that can handle me too, big daddy. Um, Solomon only had one son that we know of. A thousand women. We only know of one child, Rehoboam, who was a terrible king. This man was not, he was posting this on social media, not practicing it. Speaking from a place of grief, he was telling these young people, don't miss it. He made the history books. He made trillions of dollars. He built one of the greatest kingdoms that humanity has ever seen. And he's sitting here writing from a place of emptiness and grief because he missed it. He led Israel, but he didn't lead his own son. And his son almost wrecked the kingdom he built because he didn't invest in the thing that God gave him the biggest blessing. Because he was too busy chasing success in other women. See, we love to post about these things. We love to post about the blessings on Thanksgiving. We love to post about all God has given us. It may sound real good. It may look, you may make it look pretty on social media. That's what Solomon did. But good ideas don't work until you actually do them. And this man, literally, who was the wisest man in the Old Testament, wrote Proverbs, did not practice towards the end of his life what he posted. Don't just talk about it. Shift your life. Can we throw that picture of me on the phone in the parking lot up? Maurice, you embarrassed me the other day. I was going into, uh, I was going into uh, Garrett's football game, and I was trying to finish up all my phone calls. 75 million percent of my job is that phone. It drains me. And so Maurice is riding by Central High School. I'm about to go in Garrett's game, and I'm on my phone doing a church call. It's what I do. I love what I do. And he sent me a text, sent it to me, because that's Maurice. I love you, Maurice Cooley, coolest bass player in the world. He sends me this, and I'm sitting here thinking, yep. I don't only, I tell, I've told you all over the years, I don't just put my phone on Do Not Disturb now in the evenings. There are times in the day that it's on Do Not Disturb. You know why? Because if I check my phone regularly, if it's an emergency, I'll call you back. If it's not, I'm not going to get distracted on what's in front of me. I now sleep a little bit later on Sundays because I used to get up, like I told you, pray all the time. Now I sleep later. I've had to learn that if I'm going to be able to live the blessing of God, if I'm going to live and enjoy more than live, enjoy life at a high level for a long time, now's the decisions I have to make it. Now's the time. I don't apologize for it. I'll get back to you if it's an emergency. I love you, but for me to recharge and be what I need to be for my family and this church, I have to make decisions that don't drain me all the time. I will never be lazy. I will be the type of person that runs myself ragged and ends up having health issues. And two years ago, Ben, I wouldn't sit down. I would answer every call unless I was asleep. And then I put it on Do Not Disturb. And my body would sit me down. I can't tell you the health issues. I had a bladder tumor. That bladder tumor was not hereditary. I had it in 2019. My body would tell me to sit down because I was so stubborn. I would wait till I was sick. Not anymore. Mm -mm. I'm not running myself crazy for success. Even in ministry, even if I'm doing it for the right reasons, I'm not doing that and missing what God has called me to enjoy. Just like I preached that to you, I've got to practice it. I'm not going to be King Solomon. Tell somebody I'm shifting.
I'm shifting. I swear I'm getting there. I swore we were going to get out early today. I lied. Um, uh, Here we go. Y'all ready? Tell somebody I'm shifting. Shifting. Stop doing things that stopped working a long time ago. Jesus said this parable. I know I got a lot of scripture. I'm trying to send you home to work on it. Grow in the word. I'll start it for you. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again (laughs) and again to see if there was any fruit on it. You want to talk about insanity in the scripture? Here it is. But he, has, but he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to the gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs the next year, fine. If not, you can cut it down. That right there is Jesus preaching on the principles of insanity, doing the same things over and over again and expecting something different to happen. There are some things you, were, you need to stop doing. Hey, you're not 20 anymore. Quit thinking that you're going to find what you're looking for at the square. You were 40 years old. You ain't going to find it there. You're going to find the same drama you found at 20. Don't. Stop it. Relations, stop it. Stop doing things that stop working alone. Quit pushing good people away that love you because of people that hurt you. Stop it. Quit repeating the pattern. Stop it. There's some things. Quit spending your money like you have all these years, even though you make good money and live within your means. It stopped working a long time ago, y'all. Insanity. You're disappointed in God saying, just shift. Tell somebody, just shift. Stop. Shift. Because the reason you're not getting what you prayed for is because you're not practicing what you prayed for. And Jesus said, hey, you need to cut down that tree and plant something else because I've got something new for you. But you don't get new doing old things that stopped working a long time ago. There's habits in your life. Get out of bed. Go home. You know how you, you, know how you get, you know how you, you work all the time, can't put your kids to bed. You know how you start? Start one day a week. Work, if you got to work second shift, do what you got to Got to work third shift, do what you got to do that night. Start somewhere, but you got to stop repeating. You got to stop doing things that stopped working a long time ago. Tell somebody I'm shifting. I'm getting there. I'm, tell somebody I'm shifting. Online, drop a comment, say I'm shifting if you're with me. Cosmetic change alone won't change your life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Paul said this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Paul said, God is, uh, Paul said God is faithful to finish the work that he started in us. The Bible says we are outwardly perishing, inwardly being renewed day by day. You want your life to shift and you want to shift in your life to change? It happens right here at the heart. Cosmetic change is what we focus on right now in our culture. We like to give the appearance of change. The appearance of change will not change your life. It won't. It won't change your life. Earlier this year, I had to face something that I didn't want to face. Our church had been open four years. You know what that means in new church history? We had been open long enough to get complacent. Fresh look, three years, new facility in the middle of that three years. We were golden. Things were moving. God was growing. And they teach you in church planning that when you've been open several years, you actually come to a place where you can get complacent like every other church. We did. I had to admit it, period. Fourth birthday this year, I told you guys, I said, there's going to be a lot of changes this year. At our birthday in January, I told you there's going to be a lot of changes. It starts with me. I said, I'm going to make choices. I'm going to, we're, going to, we're going to overhaul the culture. That's what we've done. And I'm not talking about cosmetics. The thing about Catalyst, we've always had good, 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 um, good brands, good optics. We've always been, I'm young enough that I don't, I'm not quite irrelevant yet. And hope one day I'll have to work on that too. Cosmetic change alone will not change your life. It, same in your business and in, in church and any other, your marriage. That is not enough. You know what I did? I had to realize Ben had worked so hard to hold the whole different parts of the church together. And for me to be an effective pastor the way God called me to be, I had to begin to make space to be that. You know what I've done? I'm not being rude to you guys when I tell you. When you ask me a question on Facebook Messenger or you text me, that's a Connor, Tara, Terry question. That's a Jamie question for Giving Tree. I have taken my hands off so much 
of this church so that I could make room to be able to, sit, lit, to, to dig into the word of God so that I can grow and so that I can pastor. I've had to make time, time that I can't spend working on catechids because I know nothing about kids ministry because I never got to be one. I had to change. I had to begin to invest in the relationships that are the leadership, future leadership of this church to be able to mentor people because I'm not just worried about the attendance today. I want God to move in this thing 10, 20 years from now when I'm not walking nearly as fast on this stage. That is, I had to overhaul, we had to overhaul. I've told you some of the things I had to start investing in relationships that invested in me, pastors in this community that don't see things the way I do, but I trust them, I love them, they challenge me, I challenge them. There's some things that I had to overhaul. Some people didn't like it, some people are never going to like it when you have to shift some things in your life. But cosmetic change will not do it. Do you want the real thing or just the appearance of the real thing? Because I'm going to promise you, cosmetic change, the gym will help you, it will not heal you it will help you but not heal you spending all your money on a, on clothes and appearance and putting on shows and not being honest so that you can give the appearance hey using filters it blows my mind people that that take selfie posts and talk about how they love themselves and they finally love themselves and they're using a filter you just contradicted everything you said You can put fake posts about the life that you wish you had, the success you wish you had. Cosmetic change won't do it. But if you want the real thing, if you want to be honest with some areas in your life that are going to hurt your feelings but will heal you, if you'll address them, if you will let God offend you because the gospel's offensive, but you, when you trust him, you're willing to trust him with the messy stuff. Cosmetic change. Alone won't change your life. You don't have to keep up with the Joneses. Matter of fact, that's cosmetics. That's optics. And I refuse for this church to focus on optics. Because Jesus changes your heart from the inside out. Lastly, I'm almost done, y'all. Stop fighting unnecessary battles and setting yourself up for unnecessary battles. Luke 8, Jesus said her parents were overwhelmed. She ra he raised her from the dead. But Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what happened. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus did this a lot. Towards the beginning of his ministry, he would tell people that he healed. He would say, hey, um, don't tell anybody. A lot of you may skim over that. Do you know why he did that? It's because he didn't want to prematurely be put on the cross. He had a mission and he knew if they crucified him too soon, he wouldn't get to fulfill his mission. Jesus did that with the coin in the fish's mouth when uh, they were getting on to him about not paying temple taxes. And he says, Peter, go catch a fish, pull the coin out. He says, I don't want to offend them. Jesus had discretion in the battles that he was fighting. But what we've done in the last 18 months, y'all, is something else. What we've done is we've gotten, we've overthought everything. We've gotten overwhelmed and we, we, we're, easy, we're very sensitive. We're easily offended. We're honestly very easily swayed and manipulated by all sides of every issue. We're easily provoked. We rally the troops over issues that are petty because if we can get people on our side, we can feel better about it. We overthink. We fight every battle. We set ourselves up for battle. Our lives are drama. We gaslight on social media. I could keep on and on. And what happens is you end up fighting battles you shouldn't fight, fighting every battle, and you lose doing that. Jesus very clearly would have a miracle that would blow everybody's mind and he would say don't tell anybody else why don't you use some discretion in the battles you fight found this out or excuse me watched a podcast this week and then I hung out with my cousin Bradford and we talked about the same thing it's crazy how that happens watched a podcast from a, a leadership podcast that said we've missed an opportunity in COVID-19 he said, we, we all missed it. Pastors, churches, all of us. I did it. I was, I was guilty. So busy trying to preach the perfect online message and, and keep, every, keep everything and everybody together. Make a million texts a week where people knew I loved them even though I didn't see them for months. All that stuff. We did it. We got distracted. We let politics uh, sway us and everybody's arguing over politics and ain't even focused on Jesus at all and you actually make excuses around it and act like it's scriptural when it's not. Um, and we missed an opportunity. 
I missed an opportunity. Bradford told me this week, he was like, you know, where, where does God in the Old Testament, you know, our New Testament, he's in his lonely place, he's praying. Bradford said, where's, God gave us grace. Funny, I love seeing Bradford grow. He said, God gave us grace. He gave us time to have to not work, to settle down to be with our families, to breathe, to seek his presence. And what do we do? We sit at home and we engage and let the enemy distract us over politics and stress and what Trump or Biden's doing and what we get devised over everything. And the Bible calls this fighting with the weapons of the world. And what happened is, is the very... the greatest opportunity where we could have actually grown in his word, sought his presence. We didn't get to meet here but you were at home. You were quarantined and you know what we did? We sat home. We overthought everything. We were aggressive. We lost friendships. We lost family members. We flipped out. Tragedy didn't bring us together. It pushed us that much further away. We lost an opportunity. I'm guilty. You're guilty. But I'm going to tell you, no more repentance recommit we're coming back to the table and that's what commitment is that's what communion was for and so right now right now we're about to do communion and that's how we're going to end today thanks for listening We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at imcatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at imcatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.